Welcome to The Future Belongs to Creators. I'm your host, Barrett Brooks. I'm the COO at ConvertKit. My co-host is our CEO, Nathan Barry. We're on a mission to help creators earn a living, and this is a show about turning anxious energy into creative output during times of uncertainty. We're back. Episode 41 of Future Belongs to Creators. I'm Barrett. This is Nathan. And um, we're here for our daily stream. Today on the show, we call Nautable. As we do sometimes. Yeah, we do. We've been in this interesting mindset these last couple of days coming out of uh, our board meeting and leadership planning last week. And my biggest takeaway from last week was that the board called us up to just a higher level. We, we asked them to say, hey, if we're not reaching our potential or we're not actually chasing our goals to the level that we need to in order to reach them, then you need to tell us that because you can probably see it more clearly than we can. And oh boy, they told us. And so I've been doing a lot of thinking. It's caused me to dig in quite a bit over the past week. And we've been doing reflecting together, but on why at times, even when we're crystal clear on what we want and what we're working for, why do we sabotage ourselves? Why do we prevent ourselves from chasing it as hard as we could? And um, where does this whole idea of ambition come from and how do we tackle it? especially when we're not reaching our potential at a given time. So we're going to dig in on some of that. We titled the episode On Ambition, uh, but as always, we got to start with the little red, yellow, green. So Nathan, how are you doing? I'd say I'm- How are you doing? <laughs> oh, oh man. Um, just bringing some friends, friends quotes in there. <laughs> we're going to do a whole episode one time where we just pretend to be characters from friends. It'd be great. Um, <laughs> we both probably have way too much of that show memorized. Oh yes. So I'm uh, green, yellow, green, somewhere in there. Uh, I got to demo a bunch of new product stuff they're working on for the marketing team this morning, this morning, kind of impromptu. I was like, I saw they were meeting and I was like, Oh, my message, Derek, who leads marketing was like, can I join in, you know, and just join the conversation? Cause I had a slot open on my calendar and he was like, yeah, sure. And then he was immediately like, Nathan, please present on these three things. And it was actually super fun to get to share everything that we're working on and work in marketing plans. Um, so it was really fun. When you started to describe, like I asked you red, yellow, green, and you could share more in a second. And you were like, ah, you know, it just resonated with me. I had some of the same feelings. And, uh, and so then it's like, yeah, I'm green, but like, there's this thing out there that's in my mind and, uh, made me want to dig into it more. So that's what we're doing today in this episode. Uh, and a future episode will be about pricing and packaging, which is what we were going to talk about. So it's good to bounce back and forth between uh, tactics and then the emotional journey. For sure. So yeah, red, yellow, green, how are you? Yeah. So what I said earlier was like, I think I'm, I think I'm, I think I'm greenish, greenish, yellow, chartreuse, as we say. Uh, one of the listeners just asked, what's red, yellow, green? So if, it's, if you're a first time listener, red, yellow, green is our, our way of checking in and just kind of hearing how everyone's doing that's listening live. And it's our way of sharing how we're doing. So yellow green comes from this place of introspection. I think I've been in over the past couple mornings as I've done some writing and it comes from a combination of watching the Michael Jordan documentary, the last yep. dance. That's a 10 part series. that has been on the last few weeks, our experience with the board last week, mm -hmm. and then starting to read even this book called what you do is who you are that Derek, our director of marketing recommended to us. And the combination of those things has made me realize that I am a, I am a very ambitious person. Uh, you are a very ambitious person and I often know what I want. I have very clear vision a lot of times, and sometimes I don't chase it quite as hard as I'm capable of. And I don't mean I don't work enough hours or 
I don't try hard enough. I, th- I think more it's just that I think sometimes I avoid the hardest parts because they're hard mm-hmm. and scary and maybe they take me outside of my comfort zone. And so I've been writing a lot about where that comes from. And the yellow green place is one of, I, I just call it introspection. You know, it's mm-hmm. looking inside and seeing what's there. And sometimes that's a little weird, you know, it's just like a weird place to go. I was texting with a buddy who I was best friends with in high school. His name's Lassay, uh, my very best friend, all of high school. And uh, just reflecting on on stuff from way back then, because that's the building blocks, you know, our past is, are the building, creates the building blocks of, of how we operate now. So anyways, we're going to get into some of that today and, and talk about that in the context of kind of where we are, but especially in the context of what it's like to have creative ambition mm-hmm. and to have so many opportunities to chase it, but also to have so many opportunities to sell ourselves short along the way. So that's kind of what we, uh, where we're going to start. Nathan, I don't know if you have any opening thoughts on this one. Well, I mean, the biggest opening thought is that it just struck me as like, oh, wow, this is on my mind and I don't quite know what I think about it. And what better place to figure out what I think than live with <laughs> you know, you and a bunch of friends on a podcast. That's right. So it's sort of going to be this like exploration episode. One thing that came to mind, uh, Dan, my coach, which quick plug, both of our coaches, Dan and Andy are going to be on the podcast tomorrow and we're going to make it a longer podcast. If we can talk them into sticking around for an hour instead of 30 minutes, which I bet we can. So anyway, tomorrow is going to be really good, but I was talking to Dan and he kind of called out the fact that I have a level of ambition that I'm scared to admit Mm. of like realizing, you know, I have enough now. I'm already far beyond wildest dreams as far as uh, the reach and impact. And then also realizing that like we can do so much more and we can do it totally on our own terms. And I think there's a lot of that that I just haven't said because partially because I'm worried about how other people would perceive it. Right. So I'll just say that to one, to, say it directly, part of it would be like building ConvertKit to a billion dollar company. Like I believe in my core that we're on track to do that, but I'm like, I don't know that I can say that out loud. And then the other side of it is not what people would think. It's what does this mean for me? If I say it, then I might have to act like it's true. And how do I now have to show up? And I have to close this gap between my intentions and I know what's possible. And the work that I'm willing to put in. And that's like the scary thing. And you know what? If I just don't name it, if I just don't call it out loud, then I can move on a good trajectory and I don't have to hold myself to that standard. And it just, it feels safer. And uh, I think that's part of <laughs> what I'm wrestling with right now. And so when you said talking about ambition, you know, it's me like board meeting mixed with the uh, Michael Jordan documentary. And you're like, yes. <laughs> and then it's like, yep. You know, I haven't been watching the documentary um, yet, but I plan to, but I've been feeling the same thing. And so when you said that, it's just like, yep, that's exactly where I'm at as well. Yeah. I I tweeted, um, tweeted a little thing earlier, not long ago, actually about 20 minutes ago. I said, we're all chasing a sense of love and belonging. We're hardwired to want the psychological and physical safety that comes from knowing the people around us care deeply for us. With certainty, we are loved and belong. Our purest ambitions have room to grow. And I think this is kind of the conclusion I've reached on when or why I've had trouble performing or chasing my goals. 
And so I want to share a little story about an experience I had playing uh, high school baseball. Maybe I'll tell the full story sometime about the happy ending and everything. But today I'm going to tell a really hard thing, which is I had this friend named Brian Griffin in high school. He was one of those guys that was just a stud. He had the handles on the basketball court, incredible three-point shot and the baseball field. He had quick hands, fast feet, incredible uh, on-base percentage. Like He was just an athlete. And he had the confidence to back it up. You know, he mm-hmm. knew that he was good, not in a, a braggadocious way or anything. And so context here too, is that uh, I went to a, a high school that was about, about half, half black and, and then about half white, mostly in a white neighborhood, but Atlanta had an interesting thing going on with busing essentially to integrate schools, which I'm a big supporter of integrated schools, but mm-hmm. that's for another day. And so what often would happen on our sports teams, just in reality, was that especially with basketball, it was mostly black guys from the school and then a couple of of white guys who would get to kind of sit the bench. And Brian was the exception. I mean, he just had swagger. Like he knew he was good and he got a lot of playing time, both in, in baseball and basketball. So my sophomore year, um, I was on my first year of varsity baseball. And I got a call one night at about midnight and it was my, my friend, Casey, she was one of my best friends in high school. And she said, Barrett, Brian Griffin died. And it's one of those moments where, you know, it's like, wait, what? That's like, I'm, I'm asleep. What do you mean mm-hmm. he died? Well, he had gotten in a car crash. You know, this is, is a thing that very commonly kills teenagers. Um, he was less than a mile from his house. And so not to go deep into that part of it, but and all of a sudden on the baseball team, we went from having this star who we all looked up to this role model. He played my position. He was the starter right in front of me. I'm on varsity for the first time ever. And now my role becomes, well, you're the starter and you got big shoes to fill. And not only that, I had this feeling of like responsibility to do it well, Hmm. because I loved this guy, looked up to him so much and I didn't want to let anyone down. I could trace a million circumstances like this. But what I realized about a situation like that is if you think, number one, people think you aren't ready, that you're not capable yet, that you don't belong there, and you're putting pressure on yourself, therefore, that every play matters. Every single thing you do must be impeccable or else you might lose your chance. That's a lot of pressure. Yeah. And for me, I wasn't ready for that pressure. I didn't have the confidence in myself. And I think ultimately, I didn't have that sense of belonging and love. I I didn't feel loved or like I belonged on the team, regardless of how I performed. I didn't feel that from the coaches. Um, I'm not sure I felt that at home at the time. And so I didn't have like an anchor. And without an anchor, every single mistake felt like the way it had the weight of all future opportunity hanging on it. Because if I make an error today, that might be me losing my spot. Mm-hmm. And, and that was what happened. The pressure weighed on me. I felt it every play that came my way, every at bat I went to the plate and I lost the job to a younger guy, a freshman who had nothing to lose. You know, he was just like on the team from, from the get go. And he didn't know enough to be worried about it. And he had a little bit of swagger and he took the job, you know, the more I've written about this, the more I've realized that in those situations where it felt like every future thing was riding on this immediate moment, it was just, I couldn't do it. And the insight I got out of that was, you know, to relate it to the Michael Jordan thing, like he got to take a bajillion shots. Mm -hmm. He belonged no matter what. No one was going to disown Michael Jordan if he missed a shot. 
And, you know, him and Wayne Gretzky and all these guys who would take the game winning shots, they say it all the time. If you don't take a bunch of them, you're never going to make any of them Mm -hmm. because you don't have the opportunity to. And no one remembers all the ones that they missed because it's the few that they made where it's like, God, they were incredible. They were willing to go take that shot and take the risk. And the reality is like, who else was going to do it? Because everyone was looking to them. They were there and they had all their own pressure to be sure, without a doubt. It becomes an expectation that you're always going to be that good after a certain amount of time. And so it just, it helped me get deep into my psychology that at the foundation of of anything that I'm chasing has to be confidence that I'm still going to be loved. Like Nathan is still going to love me as Mm -hmm. his friend, even if I make a mistake tomorrow. My wife, my child, my in-laws, my parents, like they are going to love me even if I mess up. And therefore, from that place, if I know that truly, then I might have a chance to say out loud what I actually want. Because then if I set this expectation of this is what I want and I fail at it, I don't fail everything. I don't lose everything in my life. I just lose that ambition right now, you know? And that's way less pressure. That's like a game. That's a game. That's not, I'm trying to make this shot so I'm loved. That's not, I'm trying to make this play so I'm loved. That's, I'm loved. Therefore, I'm going to go out and have a blast and we're going to do this. Um, so anyways, that's that's kind of like the insight I've gotten to that I think has driven me a lot of the time. And I think that still holds me back because I still get confused about is me being loved and belonging with the people I care about? Is it attached to me achieving this thing over here? It really makes me think. I mean, sports is such a good example for this. And, and I think we can come across a lot of other examples in you know, life as a creator. But you put so much pressure on this one thing and these, you know, each moment, each, each step. And then you get so much in your own head. Uh, two examples that it made me think of. One is a conference talk that I gave, one of a very first one where, you know, it was probably my first time being in an audience in front of more than 25 people, 30 people, something like that. And the more I talked, I'd catch myself making little mistakes, right? I think it was a little thing that um, they didn't, oh, this is what it was. They didn't have a confidence monitor that showed me the next slide. And I had never encountered that before. I'd always had just presented just off my laptop and this was like the next level, but they hadn't gone to the next, next level where they actually have the AV equipment to support you. And, uh, and so it totally threw me off to be in front of so many more people and to not have my talk rehearsed well enough that I could nail all the transitions without the little visual cue of what's coming next. And every mistake that I made, I got more in my head about that mistake. And I got further and further away from just teaching what I wanted to, to the audience. And I just closed off and and it started to become more and more of like, this talk is terrible. They're going (laughs) to hate me, (laughs) you know? And so it became this self-fulfilling prophecy, you know, this vicious cycle that got worse and worse. And it also, when you're talking about playing baseball, it made me think of uh, one of the soccer teams that I've played on a lot with the same group of people. And we had this habit going for a while of coming in and having this, well, we were winning our little, like it's not very competitive, but we were winning our league. And so we'd come in and the, te- you know, you could tell the teams were coming in hard, trying to beat us, but we were, we were on top. And so we would have more swagger in the beginning of the games than probably we should have. And without fail, we would end up behind this is indoor soccer. So there's a lot more scoring. You know, we would be and an, like go into halftime behind five to one which is a really bad position to be in. And just like three games in a row, we had this of like getting more and more frustrated with ourselves and each other. Everybody who missed a pass, who made a bad move. 
And it just started to spiral out of control. And each game for these three games in a row at halftime, we just looked at each other and said, we're here to have fun. It's us. It's our crew. Like what else, you know, what else are we going to do? We've been basically let go of the outcome of win or lose, you know, all the pressure on each pass and making the perfect play. And when we stepped away from that and just said, we're here to have fun. Then we went back out, smiles on our faces, passed the ball better, played better. And we won all of those games. And we'd come back from the deficit every single time. And another friend who played on a team who played against was like, how do you guys always win in the second half? And it was just this realization when he asked that of like, oh, it's because we took the pressure off. It's because we realized, like we focused on what matters. We, we realized that we have belonging within our group. And then each little interaction didn't matter. It was the, the aggregate of everything. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Um, it makes me also think of, uh, to speak your love language, the Taylor Swift documentary, <laughs> uh, what's it called? Miss Americana or something like that. Um, I've only actually watched the trailer. I haven't watched the whole thing yet, but, um, in the trailer, she talks about needing to kind of like go internal mm-hmm. for a while, take a year off basically from the public eye and think, what am I in this for? Like, why did I get into this to begin with? And my perception, I got to watch the whole thing. So my perception is that she came out basically saying, I love myself. I know who my people are. I'm not actually doing this for all these millions of fans and all of that. Like I I want them to enjoy my music, but that's not why I got in this. And so I'm going to do what I do and I'm going to reflect my own beliefs and how I come back out of this kind of time of reflection because that's why I'm here. And I know that I'm fine and that I'm loved by the people around me, regardless of what everyone out there says. I think it's the same thing Michael Jordan did when he took a break from basketball, when he went and played baseball for a while. It was like, okay, y'all think I owe you something apparently. Mm -hmm. And I don't owe you anything. I just gave you three championships. Like I'm going to go do what I want for a while. And he came back with more clarity and drive, um, you know, not for long because I think he got back to a similar place. And so there is some level of attention that I think can come with Mm -hmm. really having ambition and realizing that ambition, like making it come true but there's a long way in between here and there. I mean, there's a big gap between what you say you want and getting there enough for other people to care about it. Mm-hmm. It it put me in this interesting place related to where we are today. Yeah. Of Because that was the point, right? I mean, like, I think introspection is valuable in and of itself, but I think applied introspection is even better because it, you go inside, you figure out what it is that you believe and think and what drives you. And then you come back out and you say, all right, let's go. Right now for us, like we're on a good path. The company's growing nicely. We're enjoying the ride. But I think there are two things that are true. I think at times we feel our sense of love and belonging threatened if we say certain things. If we say we want to build a billion dollar company or, Mm -hmm. you know, we expect uh, people to measure themselves based on the results they produce, not the hours they work or whatever, that maybe our team might not make us feel like we belong anymore. Maybe we might feel like the outcasts in our own company. That's a scary thing. You know, that threatens the foundation of everything else. And if we're both looking for a sense of belonging and ambition in one organization, well, that complicates things. You've really got to balance a lot of priorities there uh, and bring everyone along with us so that we're all chasing the ambition in order for us to have a sense of belonging, right? And that's what's beautiful about a sports team is there's only one thing you can (laughs) have ambition for. It's a, a championship. That's it. And that's why vision matters, I think, in a company 
you know, I said to you yesterday, like, okay, so our championship right now for this period of time is making a hundred million dollars in annual revenue and helping creators earn over a billion dollars. And we're probably gonna have to go to more like a billion dollars a year or something like that, because we've already crossed a billion of creators on our platform having earned that amount. But those are the two counterbalancing forces, Mm -hmm. our company being big and creators being really successful. That is where we're going. And we want people in this journey with us who are chasing that too. And as a creator, I think you've got to be just as clear. What's your version of a championship? You know, what are you trying to achieve? And then you have to detach from it. Like that's the other thing, right? That's the key here is me achieving that is not what will give me a sense of love and belonging that you have to be crystal clear about that. It's actually, I have love and belonging and therefore I want to see what I'm capable of because why not? It's fun. We're having fun. We're playing a game. And, um, and I think that's where I'm trying to get to with, with everything we're chasing as a company and as a creator myself is I just want to see what I'm capable of. Yeah. Oh man, that brings up so many thoughts, but it is so important to realize that that goal that you're chasing, like the love and belonging can't come from that because otherwise you put, there's the, then there's all this risk of failure, right? What does that say about me? What does it say about what everyone thinks of me? If I fail, if I name this goal, and, and fail to achieve it. And that goal could be anything. It could be a hundred thousand YouTube subscribers. It could be sharing a stage with Casey Neistat. It could be, um, a New York times bestselling book, you know, whatever it is, like it could be a huge range of things. And you're like, Oh man. But if I name that, then two things are going to happen. One, I have to actually act like I have to actually put in that work to make that happen. You know, you were telling me about the level that Michael Jordan was calling his teammates to, you know, and just like the insane level of practice and dedication. But then that other thing is I have to own the fact that other people might think less, more different of me uh, if I achieve it or fail. Some people are going to think that when I name that ambition, they're going to be like, oh man, there's Barrett again, totally in his own head, just vain, only cares about achievement or, you know, whatever people might say. Or they might say like, oh, good luck. We'll see if you can pull that off, you know, mm-hmm. or anything in there. And you have to say that, okay, that doesn't define me, right? One thing that does define me is that I'm the kind of person who seeks out what I'm capable of and makes the most of my God-given talents. And that actually defines you of like, okay, I'm the kind of person who's going to take these shots. Yeah. Um, which gets into a little bit of a future episode on Hamilton, uh, but uh <laughs> I think that's exactly it. It's, I was doing some writing yesterday on, on gifts. I'm a, you know, I'm a Christian is my belief system. And so I I think of them in terms of spiritual gifts. Like what have I been given to exercise in the world, but just gifts in general, we all have gifts, talents, skills, whatever you want to call it. I do think of talents and skills differently. And so what I'm trying to figure out is what are the upper bounds of that? What, what does that mean I'm capable of? And, you know, I've got all, all this runway already laid for me in terms of all the opportunity I've been given. Grew up in a middle-class household. I'm a white man in America. Like, okay, I know all of those things. And I don't, it's, I'm not even dismissing them. I'm saying, great, that, those are gifts too. Mm-hmm. Those are gifts I've been given. And that means I have even more of a responsibility, in my opinion, to see what I'm capable of based on that. Because that's the only way I know to honor it, you know? is to say, all right, I've got these gifts. I've got this opportunity. I've got this privilege that I, that I have access to. And so now what do I do with it? How do I, I look at it as how do I serve the most people? Mm -hmm. And those people, the people on the other end of our product don't get to 
define whether I have a sense of belonging or not, whether I am loved. I'm not looking for love from all of our customers. I am looking to serve. Mm-hmm. And that comes from a, a place of just philosophical outlook. But the love and the belonging is from my wife. Mm-hmm. It's from our partnership in this business. It's from the leadership team we're building. And I think one of the interesting things that I'm trying to figure out is how do you balance having that inside of a company. I mean, people legitimately say that they love each other at ConvertKit. Mm-hmm. And I think they do in a very holistic way, in a very like healthy, wholesome kind of way. How do you say things like, I love you and I need you to do better? And that's basically it. That's how you say it. Yeah. You know, I care a lot about you and you're not, you're not pulling your weight here or whatever that ends up looking like. And that's some of that other piece of figuring out, okay, so in a relationship then where we do each experience belonging, we're now, are we, are we agreeing we're setting this bar for one another? Because if we agree to that, now we have a responsibility to each other to hold one another accountable. And that's really, I think, the heart of what we're trying to get at is how do we hold ourselves, number one, accountable to what we say we're about? How do we make our actions reflect our ambitions and our beliefs and, our, and the virtues we want to embody? Um, but then on the other side, How do we then also call other people to do the same, to keep their promises and to help us reach our goals together? And I think a creator's got even more of a challenge there because a lot of times there's not a team. Mm -hmm. It's just you. And and that complicates the problem even more, I think, because you really got to have certainty. You've got got the love already. And so now you're going to go hold yourself to the standard just just because it's interesting, because you want to see what's possible. Well, as you're talking about, right, as a creator, not having a team, because it's so true that often it's a, a solo activity or, or maybe even just a couple of people. And it really puts even more pressure on the community. And it makes me think of, um, we have a few coworkers who are from New Zealand. And so they'll talk about tall poppy syndrome. Uh, and if you, you know, were to Google that, that it'll come up with stories about New Zealand because it's something from the culture there of basically as people become more successful, right? If one person rises up, then the group chops that down and says, no, no, no. This is, we're all down here. Don't get all uppity and think you're better than us or whatever else. Years ago, I was in Lesotho, which is a little landlocked country inside of South Africa, way up in the mountains, like flew a small plane, hiked, got, you know, hours and hours up into the mountains. I was with a couple of people who used to live up there and they had uh, talked about how different people in those communities had introduced better farming techniques for managing water and things like that could right Cause it's very dry climate up at like 7,000 feet. Um, so water management is super important, but they had introduced these other, other techniques and certain, you know, village members had done that and others had in the community had torn those down, like, a, you know, uh, culverts, divert water and hold rain. you know, all these things had been destroyed by other community members or people from other villages because it was like, no, no, no. Don't think you're better than us. Like, this is the way we've always done it. And I think that so many things can happen like that as a creator in your community of like, I'm going to name this big ambitious goal. And so I say that, whatever it is, New York Time, a book on the New York Times list. And somebody else goes, oh, I, you know, I don't know that you should do that because you probably won't make it. Like, I don't know, you're actually, I don't know that you're that good of a writer. Like the people who do that, those are, you know, on this level. And it might be that they're saying that because they truly don't believe that you're capable, but it also might be because you naming your goal and going after it makes them really uncomfortable because what does it say about their own relationship to their, to their own ambition? You know, I think about that 
you see it when people um, undergo a, a diet or weight loss or fitness journey of, you know, somebody saying like, I don't know, you looked better before, or this seems really unhealthy or that kind of thing. And often it's because it's making them uncomfortable about themselves that you're taking that uh, action to, you know, take control of your life. And so it just makes it so important that you surround yourself with not just people that will, you know, love and support you no matter what, but especially that they'll do it as you pursue your ambitions that are true to who you are. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is a, a completely different thing than supporting you when you're knocked down or when you fail. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's actually um, easier to love someone in their failures than in their successes because of that kind of natural jealousy instinct that I think some of us, all, no, not some of us, all of us have, and some of us just have a hard time reacting to it. Um I don't know. This is a deep one. I don't even feel the need to do a little tune today. I think I'm just going to completely skip creator and resource of the day. Sounds good. I'm going to go straight to a, a thought, which is that if you already know that you are loved and that you belong, I think that gives you the chance to understand the purest of your ambitions. In and of themselves, ambitions are not a bad thing. I think ambitions with the hopes that reaching that ambition or reaching that goal is going to bring you more love or belonging is a fool's errand. And so what I would just encourage you to think about today is, are you loved? Are you belong? Or maybe better, in what ways are you loved and belong already? And if you trusted that to be true, regardless of whatever outcome happens from your creative journey, what would your ambitions be? What would you write down on paper? Maybe, just maybe, what would you say out loud to someone else so that they could call you to that level time and time again? I think it might be an interesting exercise. So that's it for today. All right. Thanks for listening. We'll see you all tomorrow. Thanks for listening to The Future Belongs to Creators. We're the makers of ConvertKit, where we're on a mission to help creators earn a living by building software that helps you build an audience of loyal fans. ConvertKit is the best way to launch or grow your next creative project. To start building your audience with a landing page and to send emails up to 500 subscribers for free, go to landingpage.new. That's landingpage.new to get started with the free ConvertKit account today. We'll see you next time.